We know you're fascinated by true crime. But how often do you get to hear from the survivors in their own words? I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the host of Strictly Stalking, the true crime podcast that explores the devastating crime of stalking. Every week, our guests reveal the true terror they're facing at the hands of a stalker. And the steps they take to fight back. We're uncovering the real stories you think you've heard, from Tara Newell surviving Dirty John to others you won't hear anywhere else. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, Strictly Stalking, from Cast Media, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Voiceless Speak Forever podcast, the first ever true crime podcast that covers animal crime cases in a narrative format. I'm your host, Hepburn, and today we are shaking things up and doing a feel-good story as we are back with another advocacy tale, courtesy of Jamie from At The Kittens Foster. This story usually starts out the same. I got a message from someone that they heard Jeff and I work in rescue and they need help with a crying kitten. The person reaching out is either someone I know personally or someone who knows me indirectly through someone else. I will start off by saying that Jeff and I are foster parents. We do not directly work in the actual rescue part of saving kittens. We volunteer with an organization that has medical backing and literally just hands over kittens to us to foster. We primarily foster kittens, but sometimes dogs. We have only been doing this for two years. We are novices. Anyone can learn how to foster. Any animals we take outside of this organization is our emotional and financial responsibility. We are happy to help when you have questions about a kitten you find. But please also know that we need your help. We are not a business. We are not getting paid. We help because we love animals and feel deeply in our moral compass to help the helpless. On Sunday, August 2nd, I got a message that someone had heard a kitten crying on the side of their home for 24 hours with no mom in sight and asked me what they should do. I asked if this person could catch the kitten and foster it and I would help find it at home. This person said they couldn't do it because their kids would terrorize it and it would essentially be too difficult to take on. Jeff and I agreed we could handle fostering this kitten and took on the task of trying to catch this kitten in this family's yard. How hard could it be? Within about 30 minutes of getting the message about a crying kitten, I was at this person's home and searching for the kitten. About an hour into my search, I asked at workaholic underscore net to help. And being the amazing man he is, he dropped everything and came over. Jeff crawled under the house and helped me move tons of wood and trash. After 3.5 hours, the kitten was nowhere to be found. We called it a day. In the meantime, we did research. We have never formally trapped a cat. It is an art form. We were literally working with no experience. Usually, kittens are just handed over to us. So, 
When I say anyone could do this, I mean anyone. Where there's a will, there's a way. The internet is an amazing and thorough resource. I also reached out to my network about borrowing a humane animal trap. A friend and rescue, I will call her Kristen, offered to let me borrow hers. The family whose house the kitten was at were leaving for a camping trip the next day, August 3rd, from Manhattan Beach, where they live, to San Onofre Campground near San Diego. They said we could come by and try trapping the kitten anytime. I came by the next day, Monday, August 3rd, and set up the trap Kristen let me borrow. I set up the trap in the family's backyard while they were packing to head out to San Onofre. When using a humane animal trap, you place bait at one end of the trap where there is a trigger pan, and when stepped on, will automatically close the door behind the animal. I waited. And waited. And waited. No kitten. I tried again the next morning, Tuesday, and still no luck. That same day, I received a text from the family that was camping down at San Ofre, St. Beach. Jamie, OMG, you won't believe this. The kitten is down here at the campsite with us. What? No, I was horrified. I had so many questions. They said that after they had unpacked, they heard the kitten meowing nearby in a bush. When they tried to approach the kitten, it ran. They had heard the kitten meowing outside their tent all night long and again tried to approach it with no luck. I had some major concerns. One, was this kitten burned? Kittens often hide and sleep under the hood of cars because it's warm and feels safe. Second, what predators lived in that area and could eat kitten? Third, how would it eat and drink water? Fourth, how in the world was I going to catch a kitten in the wilderness knowing very little about trapping? The family had no idea where the kitten had been hiding on their 1.5 hour trip, but now it was stuck at a state park. I burst into tears. This was tragic. A kitten has a very small chance of surviving in the wilderness. This is not something Jeff and I could live with knowing and not doing something about. The family informed me they would not stay and were leaving a day early because their children were having a hard time with camping. They had an extra day and put it in my name. This was now the beginning of a crazy adventure in saving a kitten and how love and faith overcomes all. I left immediately. I grabbed the trap and drove down to San Onofre campground. I was anxious the whole way down. Jeff and I talked before I left and agreed that he would go down after work and camp out. He would stay overnight and try and trap the kitten while I stayed at home with our fur babies and met with clients. Then he would go from there. Long, deep breath. As I drove down to the campsite on Tuesday, August 4th, I called my network of people in the rescue industry. I spoke to my friend, I'll call her Tiffany, and she suggested I email at Orphan Kitten Club because they're located near the campsite. This organization is founded by a kitten lady who is famous in the rescue world. I was sure that they were busy because it's kitten season and although it was a long shot, I pulled over and emailed them on my way down. I explained in detail what happened so far and hit send. Fingers crossed. Once I arrived at the campsite, 
I quickly realized how hard this was going to be. The campsite was surrounded by bushes, trees, brush, and a very loud highway. Kittens and cats don't like anything loud as they are startled easily. Plus, how am I supposed to know where this kitten is? It was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. The family had told me that they heard the kitten crying in the bush next to their tent the night they stayed there, and it sounded like it was a little further away during the day, but they couldn't find its exact location. Fortunately, cats are creatures of habit and won't stray far from their home base, so that's all I was working with, hoping this kitten came back that night while Jeff was there. Once Jeff arrived, he saw and heard the kitten almost immediately. The one thing about this kitten that gave us faith was that it meowed often, so we could generally tell where it was nearby. If it weren't for the meow, we'd have a difficult time knowing where to leave the trap. Jeff kept moving the trap all night because he kept hearing it in different spots. Remember, we have never done this before. We soon learned this was not the way to trap. The next day, now Wednesday, we reserved the same site for two more nights, Wednesday and Thursday night. We had to be out by Friday at 12 p.m. because campground was booked solid for the weekend. We scrambled to come up with a plan. Jeff can work remotely, so he planned on camping out. I was planning on coming back down once I could find someone to stay with our cats. On Wednesday morning, I found a nearby store that sold traps and I bought three more. So now we had four traps, including the one I borrowed. This would hopefully increase the probability of trapping the kitten. Jeff drove back to Manhattan Beach, packed more food, showered, and picked up the traps. We strategized and he left. In between clients, I was researching like crazy on how to trap kittens in the wilderness. I worked on piecing everything together I gathered from friends in rescue and online and shared what I learned with Jeff to help to improve his strategies. Jeff went back down in the campsite and I set up traps in different locations where he had hurt the kitten. He left kitten food in each trap and set the automatic trap. Nighttime rolled around and he went to see if any traps had been tripped by the kitten. As Jeff approached one of the traps, he discovered that he had accidentally trapped a skunk. Oh man. Then, at the same time that he discovered the skunk, he was approached by the park rangers. This was around 11pm. The rangers informed him that trapping animals in state parks is against their rules. Jeff explained the entire kitten story to them. They didn't believe him and actually said, Oh yeah? Likely story. Then, suddenly, the kitten meowed in the bush next to them. The park rangers heard it and said, Oh wow, there's a kitten. The rangers proceeded to help him find it by shining their flashlights. They did spot it, but again, cats are skittish in general, so shining lights and running after them does no good. After about 10 minutes of this, the rangers ditched their efforts, gave Jeff a hazmat suit and N95 mask to release the skunk, had him take the traps down, and find another way to trap the kitten. Jeff calls me at midnight. I'm awake because I'm so anxious about getting this kitten. He tells me we could no longer use traps to catch the kitten. I felt a pit in my stomach. It took my breath away. We felt so defeated. 
How in the world were we going to be able to trap a tiny kitten in the wilderness without traps? We agreed to just get some sleep and reconvene in the morning. I like to mention that the skunk was safely released and hopped off happily without spraying Jeff. The rangers even let Jeff keep the hazmat suit and the N95 mask. Before Jeff and I got off the phone, we agreed to leave food out for the kitten since we couldn't use a trap. In theory, this kitten hadn't eaten since Saturday. It was now after midnight on Thursday morning. That's five days without food. Kittens and cats cannot go much longer than three days without eating before their organs start failing. From what I have read online and learned from the friends at rescue, you have to first build trust with feral kittens and cats with food in order to lure them. We got off the phone, Jeff set out the food, and I went to bed. I kept the ringer on in case Jeff needed to reach me. Jeff texted me an hour later around 2 a.m. informing me that he was watching the kitten just a feet away eating the food. The kitten ate about half a can. This was good news. At the very least, we could keep the kitten alive. We took this as a sign to keep trudging. (laughs) If you're wondering why Jeff didn't just try to grab the kitten while it was eating, it's because we wanted this kitten to trust us enough to keep coming back to that exact spot at the same time. It makes it easier for us to plan. It is now Thursday morning and Jeff and I converse about new ways to save the kitten without using traps. Up to this point, we were taking each new thing as we learned as a sign that we were on the right path. Naturally, we felt defeated because because we were both operating on low sleep, time, and resources. But we agreed that no matter how long it took, we would exhaust ourselves of every opportunity until we saved the kitten. We were on a mission. Maybe not using traps was divine intervention. As we talked on the phone some more, we agreed that two heads are better than one, and I needed to cancel my day and come down to the campsite. We only had one more day at this site, and the rest of the campsite was booked solid through the rest of August. We had until 12 p.m. Friday. We arranged to have someone stay with our cats and started packing to come down to San Onofre. After we got off the phone, about an hour later, Jeff called me back. Jeff said he had walked up to the front gate of the campground to ask the rangers if there were any sites that opened up. As he was walking to the gate, he mentally asked for a sign that we were on the right path. As he approached the gate, there was a man, we'll call him Pete setting up. Jeff asked Pete about any campsite openings, and he informed him that there weren't any at San Onofre, but there was a nearby campground, San Mateo, had openings. Jeff said that he wasn't actually there to camp, but that he was trying to save a kitten. Pete immediately told Jeff this was an emergency situation and that the kitten would not survive on this campground. Pete also mentioned that a coyote had gotten a dog recently. Pete said that the San Onofre campground holds a few spots for emergencies and there's also a lottery every day at 11 a.m. When you enter the lottery, someone is picked at random to take any campsite cancellations that day. Pete suggested that Jeff come back the next day, Friday, and try for the lottery. If he didn't win the campsite lottery, then talk to the manager about getting an emergency site. We took this as another sign that we were on the right path.
As Jeff and I continued this conversation over the phone, we decided we wouldn't be able to trap this kitten without a trap and were willing to risk the repercussions if we got caught. We discussed ways to still use the trap, but to make sure no other animal would get caught in it. We got off the phone and I started preparing to go down to meet Jeff. Previously, Kristen, who let me borrow the first trap, had told me she knew a cat trapping expert. I'll call her Michelle and offered to put me in contact with her so I could get advice. Kristen sent me her info and I caught Michelle on the way down to San Onofre. I spoke to Michelle and told her the whole story. She agreed there was a very small chance of catching this kitten without a trap. She suggested we use a drop trap, which is propped up on a stilt with a string attached to the stilt. When using a drop trap, you place bait under it. Once the kitten goes under, you pull the string from somewhere nearby where the cat cannot see you. It releases the stilt, and the trap safely falls over the cat. This can also be done with the other traps we had by propping open the door with a water bottle or stick with a string attached. At least with this manual method, we could control which animal we trap, so we don't trap any other wildlife. This method, however, would require us to stay up all night and wait for the kitten. Unfortunately, I was already driving down the San Onofre, so I couldn't borrow the drop trap from Michelle, so we would have to use the regular trap and prop it open. We decided to use a stick instead of a water bottle because it was more camouflaged. Cats are very observant and cautious, so we wanted to be as tactful as possible. Once I arrived at the campsite, I checked my email and at Orphan Kitten Club had responded. They said that they would reach out to their volunteers and see if anyone could help. In the meantime, they suggested I call the San Diego Humane Society to see if they could help. After speaking to someone at SDHS, the person informed me that we had a tricky situation. Firstly, even though SD County was only 10 minutes from San Onofre, it wasn't their jurisdiction. Secondly, state parks have their own rules about their wildlife. However, the person informed me that California state law says that if an animal is injured or in danger, you have a right to try and trap it in order to take it to safety. This was reassurance for us. And although risky, was worth it if we got this kitten. As a reminder, in addition to the campground rules about trapping, we were dealing with a unique situation. The campsite was booked through August. There are many wild animals like coyotes and mountain lions, a vast amount of trees, bushes, and brush that this kitten could hide in. I arrived at the campsite around 11 a.m. on Thursday and unpacked. Jeff gave me a tour of where he hears the kitten during the day and night so I could get an idea of where to locate myself and observe. I decided to take a foldable chair and a small Boss portable speaker. I'll explain it in a moment about this. Down by where Jeff told me the kitten seemed to hang out during the day. Jeff knows where it hangs out because at this point, the kitten is still meowing, presumably for its mama. Feral cats don't usually meow because it makes them vulnerable to prey, so we sensed this kitten was not properly taught yet how to survive on its own. I unfolded the chair underneath a tree, turned on the portable speaker, and started playing recorded cat meows I found on YouTube from the speaker. 
Since the kitten had been meowing, I thought this would either soothe and or get the kitten to respond or come towards the sound. I sat and waited for 30 minutes. I got no sounds from the kitten. I wondered if I would be able to hear the kitten with all the sounds of birds chirping, lizards and bunnies rustling in the bushes, and a loud highway alongside the campsite. I continued anyhow. Several people walked past me as I was sitting on a trail. Everyone was mostly curious about what I was doing and were very supportive. Up to this point, I had not seen or heard the kitten at all. I decided to close my eyes and meditate under the tree. As I was meditating, I was trying to send warm energy to the kitten and tell it that it's safe and I would not hurt him or her. As I continued to meditate, I asked to be given a sign that we were on the right path in saving the kitten. Within seconds, I heard the kitten meowing in the bushes right next to me. My heart raced. I was so excited. I continued playing the meowing sounds from the speaker, and the kitten would do a call and response with the sounds. This went on for another 30 minutes, but the kitten didn't seem to come any closer to me. I decided to give it a break and went back up to the campsite, which was about 60 feet away from our campsite. If you're thinking, why didn't you just go into the bush and try to get the kitten? I'll explain. Kittens and cats do not like to be chased by humans. You will scare them from ever coming back. Cats were only brought indoors about 50 years ago. They are far behind on domestication in relation to dogs. With cats, it's about building trust with scent, food, sounds, and a routine. We look like giant aliens to cats. Imagine if an alien arrived in your home out of nowhere, grabbed you, and took you back to its aircraft. You would be terrified. This was going to take patience, persistence, and presence in order to save this kitten. Jeff and I talked about what our plan for the night would be. It was so Thursday at this time. According to Jeff's observations, the kitten primarily meows right next to the tent between 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. This nighttime spot, different from daytime spot, was literally five feet from our tent in a giant bush. We set up the trap in the bush next to our tent with the opening facing out. This was the exact spot the kitten had eaten the half can of food on Wednesday, early morning after the skunk incident. Cats are routine-oriented, so we needed to stay consistent. We are dog-sitting, not getting into that story, so we had a dog with us. Jeff and I agreed that overnight we take turns being on the lookout, which was from our tent, for the kitten to enter the trap. The other person would be with the dog in the car at all times. Thankfully, this dog didn't bark. Jeff posted up in the tent first, around 9 p.m. He texted me updates that he had not heard the kitten yet. Eventually, I fell asleep from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. At 1 a.m., Jeff texted me that he hadn't heard the kitten, which was unusual, and needed to rest, so we switched places. I quietly climbed into the tent, put a blanket over me, held the string in my hand, and waited. 
I could barely see in the dead of the night. I sat still and stared in the direction of the trap for 30 minutes. I still hadn't heard the kitten meowing. It's now 1.30 a.m. I decided again to ask for a sign. I kid you not, within seconds, the kitten started meowing. The kitten sounded like it was only a few feet away from the trap in the same bush the trap was wedged into. This went on for two hours. The kitten didn't approach the trap. This was a very smart and cautious kitten. It wasn't even food motivated. It's now 3.30 a.m. and Jeff and I switched spots again. I passed out in the car immediately. Jeff woke up at around 6.45 a.m. and said he had no luck. I was so bummed and felt defeated again. Being tired didn't help. I had to leave that morning to relieve Jeff's mom of her grand fur baby duties and meet with my clients. It's now Friday morning and we only have to campsite until 12 p.m. and there are no more sites available. How are we supposed to catch this kitten in the middle of the night if we cannot stay on the campground? We were banking on the campsite lottery and the emergency site. Now this was a waiting game for a site. I packed up and started driving home. As I was driving, I felt so out of control. I burst into tears. There were so many unknowns. Will we catch this kitten? Is this kitten going to die if we don't? How do we get a campsite? How are we going to do this? I took a few full deep breaths and again I asked for a sign. Almost instantaneously, I noticed a billboard in front of me that had a giant red heart with the word courage written inside of it. I got chills all over my body. You see, I use the word courage in all of my intention settings and meditations. It's a word I use so often and have used since I got sober 14 years ago that I knew that we were on the right path. It was the literal and figurative sign I needed in order to pick myself back up and keep trudging. Jeff called me around 11.10 a.m. to tell me that he didn't win the campsite lottery, but they gave him the emergency spot. This brought us another day. It's now midday on Friday. Jeff felt good about the manual trap operation we set up and encouraged me to stay home. Keep in mind that Jeff had been down there since Tuesday and had slept no more than a couple of hours each night. By this time, the kitten had been quieter than it had on previous nights, which worried us. Did this mean that it was getting weak? Was it getting more comfortable being in the wild? Was it hurt? The meowing was our guiding light, and it didn't meow all day Friday. Granted, kittens need a lot of sleep, so we hoped that's why it was so quiet. In the meantime, I regularly checked online to see if any campsites opened up. I was able to find a spot close to the trapping location for Monday and Tuesday. I went ahead and booked Monday and Tuesday just in case this operation took longer. We were banking on the lottery and the emergency spot for Saturday and Sunday. This time, I wanted to use a drop trap. Both Michelle and at Orphan Kitten Club both suggested we use this one. 
I reached out to Michelle and she said I could borrow hers. I went over to her house and she gave me a tutorial on how to use it. Jeff wanted to come back home that day, still Friday, to shower, learn how to use the drop trap and take it back down with him that night. Friday night came and it was time for Jeff to stay up all night again, waiting to manually pull the drop trap. Jeff took a nap from 5pm to 9pm, then posted up near the bush where the kitten usually goes at night. Keep in mind that Jeff has to explain to each new group staying at the trapping site that he will be lurking nearby trying to save a kitten. I was barely sleeping myself, so I was able to communicate with him throughout the night about any progress he was making. It was grim. The kitten was even quieter that night. This was disheartening. Jeff called it quits around 6 a.m., and he decided to get some sleep before the lottery at 11 a.m. It's now Saturday morning. Jeff goes to the park ranger station for the lottery, and it turns out that they aren't having the lottery that day because there weren't any cancellations. But they gave us emergency spot again. By this time, almost everyone who worked there knew who we were and why we were there. The new group staying at the trapping campsite would text us with updates and when they heard or saw the kitten. Because of their updates, we learned that the kitten started coming out earlier and earlier every day. When we first got there, the kitten was coming out to the night spot at 1.30 a.m., then it turned into 12.30 a.m., then 11.30 p.m. I arranged to come back down for Saturday and Sunday. It was going to be another long night, and we were feeling pretty desperate at this point. Jeff has an idea that we should get some night vision goggles. It is incredibly difficult to see anything at this campsite, and there are many other animals like skunks, bunnies, squirrels, and chipmunks. On the way down, I stopped and picked up a night vision monocular. As I was driving, I again asked for a sign. As the listener, you may be rolling your eyes I'm asking yet again for a sign, but in that moment, I really needed the motivation. Just then, out of the corner of my eye, I saw the pyramid in Long Beach. This looks like Lusor in Las Vegas. It holds events, graduations, and conferences. My brother, Luke, who passed away in 2016, had his high school graduation there. I hadn't thought of or seen the pyramid since his graduation in 2000. I took this as a sign to keep the faith. I arrive at the campsite and we plan to go to the trap site at around 11.30pm. We both stay up all night again. No kitten. Not a single meow this time. We finally realize that we need a new plan. We need to get to the drop trap site earlier to observe the kitten's schedule. Now it's Sunday morning. Around 6am, Jeff said he wanted to wait in the kitten's day area to try and trap there. Jeff was in this area, he called it Thicket, from 6am to 11.30am, on his stomach, in the dirt, under a bush. Jeff is such an amazing human. More on that later. While Jeff is in the thicket, I contact Michelle, tell her how hard it has been to get the kitten, and ask for advice. She recommended we use Kentucky Fried Chicken original recipe as bait. Apparently. Cats go crazy for the skin. 
There was a KFC about 25 minutes away and opened at 10 a.m. My plan was to get the KFC and try to get my name in the lottery. I get the KFC and drive back to the gate to ask about the lottery. Yet again, no lottery because no cancellations. I then ask if there were any available campsites. There was one campsite that miraculously opened up for Sunday to Monday. So now we have sites for Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. All of these openings and campsites, when the campground had been booked solid, were also were huge signs to me. This gave me a relief as this was one of the most stressful parts of this adventure. Had this kitten stayed in the family's backyard in Manhattan Beach, it would have been much more carefree. Now, we needed to go back to other campsite, pack up, and move to the new campsite. We only had until 12 p.m. I texted Jeff, and he was still in the thicket, but he comes out to help pack and take a break. He had no luck in the thicket. The kitten was nowhere to be found, but we were still determined to get this kitten. By this time, we had changed campsites three times. Once we got to the new campsite, I shared with Jeff about the KFC bait. I wanted to stay another night, but the dog we were fostering was not loving camping. So we decided I'd go home and take the dog with me. Jeff would stay another night, my hero, and try to lure the kitten in with KFC. Side note, the night vision binoculars worked great. Before I leave the campsite on Sunday midday, I'm walking the dog. Her name is Venus. For some reason, I don't feel as heavy that day. Maybe I was getting used to the stress of it all, but I just felt lighter. I felt like we were getting closer to catching the kitten. As Venus and I were walking, a butterfly flew past my face. Until that moment, I hadn't seen a single butterfly while I was there. Butterflies are symbolic of my mom who passed away in 1998. Butterflies always seem to show up when I need the reminder of my mom the most. Some of you may think all of these signs are coincidences or hocus pocus, but I don't believe in coincidences. I don't think anything happens by accident. This life is way more meaningful than we make it out to be. I'm on the road again, heading home. I go about my usual day, and Jeff and I stay in touch. We both agreed that he should post up even earlier on Sunday night to see if the kitten has a different time. He posted up around 8.30 this time. Around 9.45pm, Jeff texted me that he saw the kitten grab the KFC drumstick and run. This kitten was too quick, so Jeff couldn't pull the string in time. This was still great news. We were now very hopeful that the kitten would come back again for that irresistible KFC the next day. The next day, Monday, at Orphan Kitten Club, put me in touch with a volunteer who is an expert in trapping cats. I had her call Jeff, and Jeff told her the story, all the methods we had used, and about the KFC drumstick the night before. She was hopeful that Jeff would get the kitten that Monday night or Tuesday. She said we were doing everything right and was happy to help any time if we needed. On Monday night, Jeff posted up earlier, around 6.30 p.m. At around 8.20 p.m., while I was getting ready for bed, I got a text from Jeff. 
I got the ducking kitten. Call you in a few. Yes, ducking. Autocorrect. We named him Sano, short for San Onofre, where we found him. He warmed up easily. The moment I pet him, he melted. He just wanted to know I wasn't going to hurt him. We found him a loving home. In conclusion, don't give up before the miracle happens. So, that was the incredible rescue story of Sano. Thank you, Jamie and Jeff, for allowing me to share this story. This was definitely a story that was full of challenges, but with patience, faith, love, and KFC fried chicken, they were able to save sweet Sano. Thank you guys so much for your services to the cat community and making sure they are safe and find good homes. And you guys, make sure you follow at the Kittens Foster and the rescue they work with at Adopt and Shop on Instagram. You can also check out Adopt and Shop on their website, adoptandshop.org, if you want to donate. I will leave all their links in the show notes. As always, remember to subscribe, rate, and review the Voiceless Speak Forever, especially if you're listening on Apple and tell others about VSF. Sharing is caring. And in your free time, please feel free to visit VSF's Instagram page, the period VSF period official. If you have a story to tell or you want me to tell a specific story, always feel free to reach out at VSF period official period podcast at gmail.com. Lastly, we are heading toward the season finale. Next week, we'll be returning to the Woodlands cat case covered in season one. So make sure you listen to that episode before you dive in next week for a three-part update. And to cap things off, there will be a bonus episode featuring a photographer who has a very special ability as the last episode of the season. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next Wednesday, toodles!